Welcome into a new Buff Stampede radio. Adam Munster Tiger, the publisher of BuffStampede.com, joined by fan correspondent Tyler Ziskin. Tyler, it's been a minute since we heard from you. Uh, you you were uh, out on vacation. You missed all the, the regular signing period drama. Yeah, uh, good thing, too. Between that and the Utah game, uh, it was a good time to be away from my phone and the computer, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like right now we got to start this podcast out with just a a transfer portal update you know at this point it's six players that have gone out and three that are coming in it's not a bad six for three trade either when when you look at the the type of talent that's coming in and you know not to you know rag on any guys that are leaving the program because you know a lot of those guys showed a lot of pride in being a buff and you know some of them had great moments at CU but uh, you're definitely upgrading the the talent level a little bit yeah I mean at least the you know the initial perspective of those te- of those guys right i mean early on in their careers they still got to come in and produce i think definitely you have to like the guys that you're getting but at the end of the day some of the guys that left have produced on the field so they're still yet to be determined but a you need some of those guys to leave just from a numbers perspective i mean moving forward and then of course carl durell is trying to build a program with his guys so you know there was always going to be a larger number of people leaving than there was coming. I mean, so if you weren't ready for that, that's on you, right? I mean, you got to be prepared for those moments. And most of these guys wouldn't have in a normal year, normal circumstances would not have been able to play next year anyways. So some of those, you know, you could they have helped us next year? Yeah, maybe, but all the guys that we're bringing in can help us for more than one year. And I think that's the, the process that you're trying to remember. A guy like KJ Trujillo could have, hung around and been a good depth piece, but he's also a guy that could transfer and be a starter at the mountain West level. And it's hard to blame a guy for wanting to do that. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think based on where things were going for him at CU, it wasn't a great fit. I mean, he's a corner. They're trying to play him at safety. Um, not, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and argue whether or not that's the right decision or not, but ultimately that's what they wanted to do with him at Colorado. And that's not a good fit. So for him, yeah, I mean, there's no reason that he shouldn't go elsewhere, get more playing time at a position that he can really play. I mean, I think he's a talented player, but, you know, he's not passing Christian Gonzalez or Makai Blackman on the depth chart. It's just not happening. So, yeah, go go get your playing time somewhere else, and, you know, best of luck. Jack Lamb is the, the latest, obviously, transferring in. Mm-hmm. Uh, a guy that uh, was highly regarded coming out of high school, got some playing time at Notre Dame. It looked like he was going to start to transition into a starting role got hurt in 2019 and just, you know, it was more of a special teams guy last year. Just, you know, the, the type of guys that you're going to be looking for, if you're see you in the transfer portal with the Jack Lamb or Robert Barnes, and then obviously Shrout really kind of bridges that, that issue you had in terms of scholarship distribution at quarterback. What are you, what are your thoughts on those guys? Yeah, Shrout. I mean, I think it's a wait and see approach. It seems like the biggest concern obviously is he turns the ball over, um, which is not what you want from your quarterback position, but he's got a live arm. We'll have to see how he comes in and performs. It seems like he's a lot more similar to Sam Neuer than he is to Brendan Lewis. Um, I still think you have to give, especially with Sam out for the spring, you have to give Brendan Lewis every opportunity to win that job. And if he doesn't go and get it, well, then, you know, you have solid depth between Sam and JT for sure. But obviously the future of your program, you know, ideally would be Brendan. And we'll see how it shakes out from there. But of course, you can never have too much talent in the quarterback room. Yeah, I, think I love. The, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was just going to say, I think with Lamb and Barnes coming in, 
there's this clear emphasis on guys that can move. Yeah. Uh, and kind of a reaction to, to what we saw late in the Utah game in the Alamo Bowl in terms of Carl Durrell, that is basically saying that's unacceptable for our defense. Right. And he's right. <laughs> I mean, you know, especially the, the biggest frustration for me is that you're playing in the Pac-12. It's not like this is new. It's not like Texas does anything different. If you don't have speed on defense, you can't guard anybody. It's really that simple. Um, the only way you get past that is if you have a guy Nate, like Nate Landman who just understands the game better than everybody else out there, right? Like that's how you you play fast, even if you're not necessarily fast. It's hard to get those guys. Um, so that's definitely what you're bringing in. I, I like the Lamb pickup, especially because obviously Notre Dame was a very talented defense. Um, he was playing behind guys who are going to be in the NFL. I love that he's a special teams guy. We all know I love special teams. The more talent you can have um, in special teams, the better off you'll be. And I think he can come in and play multiple positions for us. I think Barnes can as well. Uh, we'll have to see exactly how he slides in. But I love the, you know, I like to call players multiple. Both of those guys are multiple players. They can play multiple positions and impact the game in multiple ways. This is the new college football. It's not going to change anytime soon. There was always transfers, Tyler, but it seems like it's almost doubled here in the last couple of years, just with this transfer portal and the fact that colleges can't restrict players anymore. It used to be a player would get his, get granted his release from his scholarship. And that college could say, well, you can't go here because we're going to play them or you can't go in conference. You can't do that anymore. And then with this one-time transfer rule expected to go in this year where guys can do that one time and not have to sit out a year, it makes sense why it's become the new college football. Is it good or bad for college football? I mean, I think you could make arguments either way that are warranted for sure. I, I Overall, for me personally, I like it. You know, coaches can leave whenever they want. In the real world, you can go move to another job whenever you want. We've all been there before, right? I don't really see how sports should be any different. It's not like you have a contract that you're, you know, that you're obligated to. So, you know, I, I would say first and foremost, if you don't want a guy to leave, well, treat him the right way which, you know, a lot of these issues are people aren't happy for one reason or another. Some of it's playing time. Um, I would say most of the transfers are good for both parties. And I think that kind of gets lost in translation a little bit. Yeah, there's the occasional guy you don't want to see leave or vice versa, like a guy is forced to leave when he doesn't want to necessarily. But a bulk majority of it is a situation like most of what we saw at Colorado this year. There isn't going to be as much playing time or they're trying to get playing time for a player that has a chance to be better and is also younger. That's kind of where I see it. Yeah. The fact that coaches can leave in the middle of the night and these players are stuck somewhere is, is a major issue. And that's why I do like the one-time transfer rule. I think it needs a stick at one time though. I don't think you want these guys being able to move as many times as they want without any penalty. It's for sure. You, you gotta, you gotta plant your seed and, you know, grow at a program, but when you talk to these recruits and you say, what are you looking for in a college? Like 80% of the time, it's like, I want to connect with my coaches. And these kids just cannot let it sink in that those coaches might not be there throughout your career. And in most cases won't be, they do pick colleges based on coaches and it shouldn't be that way, but it is, it's the reality. It, it, you should pick a school based on the school, but it really rarely happens. Tyler. Yeah, I mean, it almost never happens for sure. And I wish there were, you know, I do wish there were ways to um, incentivize coaches to stick around for a little bit longer, too. I think the sport, and not just college football, but any sport would be better if there is more longevity amongst staffs. Head coaches is a big deal, but I think assistant coaches 
is sometimes even a bigger deal. You look at some of the guys at Colorado and other schools around the country who have played for four different position coaches during their time. It's really hard to grow as a player. If you're yeah. learning new concepts every single off season. You had mentioned that it's a benefit for most guys. You will have the Aaron Maddox example where he thinks he's hot shit and he gets in there and maybe the options aren't quite as what he thinks they're going to be. Right. But those are are few and far between. I think generally these guys have enough self-awareness. You hope the coaches are, you know, giving them some feedback on that as well before they enter the transfer portal. Yeah. And, and again, this year is a strange year, right? I mean, some of these like Darian Rakestraw coming off the top of my head would, would be done with football if COVID did not happen. So, I mean, he's getting an opportunity to go play an additional year, but I understand Colorado's perspective of, okay, well, we have young guys in the program that we think can play either at your level or close to your level, and we're not going to continue to stunt their development just to get you an extra year. So I understand programs that want to move forward as well. Like they're, you know, it's, it's a tough situation. I don't think there's a great answer no matter which way you slice it. Yeah. Akil Jones, he could have added some depth, but yeah. it might end up being a better thing for him. We'll, we'll find out where he ends up. Uh, for most of these other guys, I mean, Katie Nixon, goodness, I didn't see that coming. No, I, you know, we'll see what the fit is. I think that ultimately is more about post football for him. I mean, he gets himself in a situation where I'm, I'm happy for him. I, I'm happy yeah. for him. I just didn't expect him to get that opportunity on scholarship. Right. Yeah. And I, I, I think that's fair to say for sure. It'll be interesting to see how he use him. I'm going to be frustrated if he's willing to play slot there. I'll tell you that because he wasn't willing to do that at Colorado. And uh, he's far more useful there than he is as an outside receiver, for sure. Greg Biggins is reporting that former Oklahoma nickelback Brendan Radley Hiles is a CU target. He's in the portal right now. He started 32 games at OU the last three years and all everything coming out of IMG Academy. I know that uh, Coach Mead has a good relationship with him. There's other schools pursuing him. And they've got some other irons in the fire. We'll, we'll see. It's not like the staff is uh, trying to publicize exactly who they're, they're targeting. But you can kind of do some Twitter detective work from time to time and uh, get, get a few ideas there. What are your thoughts there? Do you think that would be a, a big addition? Yeah, I mean, in terms of talent, obviously – it's, it would be a nice addition. It's going to be mostly guys on defense, if not all guys on defense that we're looking to bring in this year moving forward. Um, there's probably a couple slots they need to fill. I like him. I mean, he's not a great tackler, which is not, you know, for a defense that has struggled with tackling, it's a little bit concerning. But outside of that, of course, again, a guy who can play multiple positions, he's physical. I think he's probably a little bit of a better fit for the Pac-12, um, honestly. So, yeah, I mean, you're bringing in talent. It's hard to argue. Like I mentioned, you were off on vacation during that regular signing period. So you didn't you didn't miss anything in terms of guys signing with CU, but uh, yeah. you missed out on some drama there. You know, there were some fans that were very upset that there wasn't any fireworks that yeah. day. Well, said, hey, we thought we had our class pretty much wrapped up in December. There might have been a few bonus pieces in there. We decided that they'd be better be used on transfers. I tried to report that as much as I, I could. Uh, I definitely would say that was one of my least favorite days as the publisher of buffstampede.com. I mean, it was, yeah, I, I get frustration, but you know, come on, sometimes the bipolar nature of this fan base and, and I get most fan bases are going to be like that, but I mean, there was something in the works there and we were trying to report that. And I don't know, it, yeah. it was a frustrating day. I think I, it, just with how Durell has handled all this stuff, he's kind of done it to himself, though. I mean, there wasn't a lot of information out there that these guys weren't going to sign. 
they they had signed a couple guys late that people were excited about or thought were going to sign. You know what I mean? So I understand it because, you know, in the moment you're not thinking, oh, they have something else in the works here locked up. And ultimately they did. But if you had just said that and it had become clear before signing day that we weren't taking these guys, there wouldn't have been as much vitriol and, you know, drama and all that kind of stuff. But I could understand when you think you're going to sign three guys and on signing day, you sign zero. I could, I can see why people are hitting the panic button for sure. I'm sure if I was in town, I would have. Ike Uno, of course, Michigan steps up late in that prestige right. of that program, pulls him. Clay Millen was a really strange recruitment. It almost looked like he was going to be a buff twice. Uh, we'll see how things go for him there. Goes to Nevada, where he feels like there's a good scheme fit there. Again, that would have been a nice addition, but you at least have enough quarterbacks in the program. You're not panicking like you were a year ago. And then uh, TJ Patu, NCU, parted ways, again, making room there for transfers. And then the day after the regular signing period, Dylan Dixon jumps on board as the first commit in the 2022 class. Tyler, had he been part of the 2021 class, he would have been their highest rated signee. Yeah, a good start for sure. I mean, obviously the rankings change quite a bit between now and signing day for that 2022 class. Um, Typically guys drop in the rankings from this point through the summer because at this point there just aren't that many guys in the database. Like you just, people continue to add names and add names and usually you'll see them drop a little bit over time. We'll see where he ends up. But I mean, it's a great first signing. I mean, just, you know, you know me, I like to see who, who has offers. I think that's, what's most important. These guys who spend a hundred hours a week, like my brother did forever analyzing film, right. They know these guys better than anyone. They know who's better than everyone around the country. So if you have a guy that has 15, 20 offers, especially this early in the process, you know, versus a guy who has two or three more times than not, I'm going to trust that evaluation. So it's a great start for this 2022 class for sure. They continue to get guys like that. We'll be very happy come next February. He's about 6'2", 190, played safety there at Pierland, Texas. Uh, he's I know he's listed as an outside backer on 24-7 sports, but I imagine that will get updated to safety. Uh, number 45 on the composite Texas State rankings. Uh, put out some clips from a seven-on-seven tournament last week. Uh, he says he's physical. You can kind of see it there. Uh, good closing speed there. I mean, you, there's not a whole lot you're going to take away from four clips at a seven-on-seven tournament, no. but – uh, you like you like what you see from him. Uh, great relationship with Brett Maxey, who's uh, he's getting a little bit of a better re- reputation here as a recruiter as of late. Absolutely, yeah. You're hearing his name a lot these days, which I think is good. Obviously, coming from IMG, that's you know that can be beneficial for sure. Um, and just his pedigree, it sounds like Texas is where we're going to be putting a lot of emphasis, which I have been hammering for a while now. That's where you want to get your guys if you're Colorado. Um, throwing in C- California in there as well, and then you know, some others sprinkled in around the West coast. And I think maybe we could do a little better job in the Midwest, but that's, you want Texas to be your home if you're Colorado, because there's so much talent there that slips through the cracks. We got a question about the recruiting dead period. Hopefully that ends at some point, Tyler. And once that (laughs) happens, I think we'll get a better gauge on which 2022s really are feeling Colorado. Those guys that make the effort to pay for their own way, or I guess even now you can do official visits in a normal year. Uh, in the summertime. So we'll get a better feel there early on though. Are there any 2022 targets that have stood out to you? Uh, not specific targets. No, I just think again, we're talking about what we just went through. You want to put a lot of emphasis on Texas. That's what I want to see. I mean, I think, you know, especially with the new hires on staff, 
the coaching staff realizes they want to go in there and make an impact. We did that three or four years ago and it worked out pretty well. Obviously getting LaVisca Chenault, you know, <laughs> you find guys like that, they can change your program. Um, that's what I want to see. I want to see continued emphasis on a speed on defense and b getting guys out of the right parts of the country. I did a story on Carter Edwards. He's an athletic six, six, 270 pound tackle from Mississippi. Smart kid. He's, he doesn't just say it. He's actually going to study aerospace engineering. Super smart kid. And so CU's got that going for him. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. He just did a virtual visit with CU. Owen Carey's an interesting recruit. Greg Biggins and Blair Angulo love this guy. Uh, he's from California. He's number 33 on the state rankings right now. But CU's his only offer. He just did another virtual visit with CU. So they're really making an effort there. And then you mentioned Brett Maxey's connections there at IMG Academy. They're recruiting two defensive backs from there, Addie Willie and Trevon Howard. Both those guys have uh, shown strong interest in CU. So a few names to throw out there early on, and we'll continue to monitor that as we go forward. We haven't talked to you, Tyler, since Mark Smith was named the new inside linebackers coach. Obviously, he's got experience as a secondary coach and rec recruiting coordinator at Arkansas. Strong ties to Texas high school football. Uh, did you like this hire or what, yeah. what were your thoughts? Yeah, I was just alluding to it earlier when I was talking about the hires that got us more embedded into Texas. I love it. It's exactly what you want. In my opinion, a guy with recruiting coordinator prowess, which you, you need recruiting chops on this staff. That's one thing that they were missing. Obviously his focus on Texas is important to me too. And you can tell when a guy can recruit and when a guy can't like there's buzz on Twitter right away. I mean, a lot of guys down in Texas high school ranks immediately said, oh, Colorado is going to be a name that you hear a lot more often in Texas. And that's when you know guys have proper recruiting connections. That type of stuff is impactful. Like you might want to say, oh, it's, you know, it's dumb. It's Twitter. It doesn't really mean anything. Well, it does. Those guys understand, you know, whose names speak volumes when you go down into Texas. And Mark Smith is definitely one that seems to be a guy that's very well respected down there. Anytime CU promotes from within, the, you, you can pretty much predict exactly how the, the fan base is going to react. Uh, we saw that with Brian Michalowski. Obviously, he's done some good things there uh, since getting promoted to outside linebackers coach. That happened with Brian Cook. He was a quality control coach on the defensive side, and now he's the new tight ends coach. But you look at his past, he's done a lot on offense, actually more on offense than he has on defense throughout his coaching career. We'll see, but this was a name that I had heard randomly from different people the previous two years in terms of a guy behind the scenes that had done a really good job and does a good job connecting with the players. So I'm anxious to see how he does with that group. Yeah. I mean, we'll see how it goes. You know, obviously we had guys with a little more chops before him, but I mean, this is again, a position that we have not had a ton of <laughs> recruiting prowess or success, you know, impact on the field from the tight end position. So it's not, if this doesn't work out, it wouldn't be the first time that we've ever seen it happen at CU. Uh, I think it was going to be tough, tough to replace Taylor Embry period, no matter who it was with. So yeah, it's a guy that again has been around the game for a long time and we'll just have to see how it shakes out. And Nate Lamon shed his walking boot. Uh, he's about a little bit more than eight weeks removed from Achilles surgery. Tyler, I can tell you when you get that boot off, it's one of the greatest moments in your recovery <laughs> because you have to wear that stupid thing when you're sleeping for that. that so is it eight weeks now that he's had to wear that thing? And it doesn't sound that inconvenient. Okay, you just lay down, you got a boot on us. But by the end of that stretch, 
uh, I threw mine out the window. No joke. Nice. When I had my, my ruptured Achilles at the very near the end of it, I just threw it out the window one night. I was like, tonight, I don't care if I mess it up. This thing is out of my life for, for at least 12 hours. <laughs> <laughs> I could actually see you doing that for sure. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, it sounds pretty annoying to me. I don't like to sleep with you know, like I'm hot period. So if I had to wear a boot on my foot for eight weeks while I was sleeping, I would be miserable. I feel like I'd yeah. be, there'd be like a pound of sweat in there by the time I woke up every morning. Well, there's a, a obviously a long road to recovery here for Nate Lamb, and you've got to you, you could continually stretch that Achilles out. And it's uh, not a quick recovery, but uh, it was good to see a smile on his face uh, in that Instagram. Yeah. Picture it does feel. Out there. I mean, I, I know, like you know, time flies fast when you can't do anything in life like we can right now. But it does feel like the process is moving along, and that there's an outside chance that he'll be ready to go for the season, I'm still just nervous for him because he's a guy that already wasn't overly athletic. You know, he wasn't going to blow anyone away with his combine measurements. Um, so I'm hoping that it doesn't slow him down any further. Cause that would be really disappointing for a guy who's been obviously ma- a massive help to the Colorado football program. I think the biggest challenge of the staff, especially the training staff with Nate Lamb and going forward is going to be to keep him from, yeah. Not going too fast, honestly. Yeah, for sure. He, Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that doesn't like to miss time. There's no doubt about that. So, yeah, t- I mean, you have to try to convince him that this is what's best for his long-term health and for his NFL prospects to take it slow, for sure. And if, if that means he doesn't play for us this year, then that's still the right decision for me. A lot of questions from fans, so let's jump into the Buff Stampede mailbag. Ellie Buff is first here with a question. He's, he asked, assuming we have spring ball, which players will not participate other than Alfano and Landman? So Sam Neuer is going to be out, at least in terms of being able to throw following shoulder surgery. I mean, you don't want that for Sam, but it'll be a good situation for Brennan, mm-hmm. JT Shroud, and, and Drew Carter coming in, get a lot of reps there. Uh, I've heard Austin Johnson's also going to be out. He missed all of last season with an Achilles injury. I'm trying to think of who else there would be. We'll see on Deion Smith. He was out with a knee injury. Haven't heard yeah. anything on him for a while. I feel, last I heard, I thought he was on his way to coming back, though. What about Poplowski? Where is he at? Yeah, he started practicing late in the season, okay. so I'd imagine. And that kid can't have another setback. That would just be the biggest injustice ever because yeah. he's already uh, had more major injuries uh, the last three years than anyone should have in their entire lifetime. Um, who else is there? Tar- Tariq Lucka was out. I think he's going to be coming back. Yeah. Um, I mean, it sounds like Fontenot is cleared. Yep. They're trying to take it slow nice. with him, but yeah, they expect him to be out there. So, uh, Sam Neuer is the one guy and then Austin Johnson, and we'll see as we get closer. St. Wise asked if, well, Landon- hold on. what about, so Chance Lytle has got to be out too, right? I mean, that was a serious injury. Oh yeah. You gotta- would think so. Yeah, yeah. You would think so. St. Wise asked, if Landman isn't 100% to start the season, do you and Tyler feel comfortable with the current linebacker situation, especially regarding stopping the run? No. (laughs) Do you want me to be completely frank? I mean, you know, these guys are going to come in and we'll see. You know, I'd I'd like to see them in pads and how they perform on the field a little bit before I fully say, okay, yes, Robert Barnes and Jack Lamb are saving the season. Do I hope they do? Absolutely. But I, I'm going to have to see a little bit of it myself before I'm going to say I'm confident in our run defense. Well, the reason they're they're bringing transfers in is because 
Right. <laughs> they, they want to fill those gaps yeah. and, and alleviate that concern, right? So Exactly. But, you know, you know, the other side of it is you look a year ago, if, if you thought we'd be talking about Jerick Broussard winning Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year and Isaiah Lewis being their best secondary player, you, you wouldn't believe that. So, I don't know. Yeah. There's still, you know, an opportunity for growth out of those guys. You know, yeah, John Van Deese is going to work his butt off. Uh, you know, Ham was pretty highly regarded coming out of high school. Uh, Mr. Williams, I thought, looked good on special teams. Looks like he could uh, – we'll see if he's got the speed to play in space, but you, you like some of the, what you've heard from him. So there there are guys there that can get better for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, not only are there guys that can get better, there are guys that will get better. But that doesn't – you know, without Nate Landman, there's still a pretty significant gap. And, of course, Akil Jones was the one guy that was trying to plug that last year so if both of those guys are gone, it's going to be a little bit squirrely until they prove to us that it's not. He was asking, especially in regards to stopping the run. On the flip side of that, I do know that they don't want their linebackers to be in pass coverage as much as they were under Tyson Summers. And, uh, you know, that was partly, you know, his aggressive approach with the blitz packages, right? You're going to have mm-hmm. to have a mismatch if you're going to bring the heat. And so uh, you'd like to see CU's defense continue to be aggressive uh but from what i understand they they don't want that to be uh as big a part of the the situation as it was this past year there's also going to be one less linebacker on the field too it sounds like going from a three four to a four three so just by pure scheme that's likely going to happen you're going to be playing with more defensive backs and or down linemen than what we've seen in years past ct buff asked are we expecting to sign any more players from the transfer portal? Yes, uh, we had mentioned a target there early. I think they're going to bring in a safety as well. Uh, I'd be surprised if there's not a, I don't know, two more transfers. Yeah, there. we'll see. I-, I was thinking, yeah, at least, there's got to be at least two, you would think. So stay tuned there. King KB asked, does it feel like we've gotten through the period where current CU players, if they were going to enter the transfer portal, have already announced their intentions? No. <laughs> no. Yeah, you, I mean, the, maybe the initial period, right? There's usually one stretch this time of the year just as the season is finishing up. And then, of course, there's another one in fall camp where it typically well, – There's one, there's one after spring ball too. Where right. Guys, yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. That's true too. Yeah. So, yeah, there's still two, two more periods where you're going to find some guys leave the program would be my guess. All right. Moving along here, CT Buff also asked, any freshman from the class of 2020 that maybe didn't play – much or at all that generated buzz with the staff slash insiders hoping for good things from some of the linebackers and Pittman at safety. Yeah. I mean, so you mentioned one, right? Torrin Pittman. We, we just talked about Mr. Williams as a guy who got talked about a lot um, on the offensive side of the ball. I, I remember hearing a lot about Montana Lamonius Craig as well. One guy to keep an eye on that I didn't see action is Carson Lee at center. Uh, like I'd mentioned, Austin Johnson still banged up. And Colby Purcell's got a lot of experience. It's going to be hard to unseat him there. But I heard really good things about Carson Lee, uh, just his intelligence and how he fits in there and how much the quarterbacks like his snaps. So he's another guy to keep an eye on going forward. Tyler, it's those offensive linemen that come in and everybody's excited about them. And because they have to be in the incubator for a minute there, then you forget about them. But Mm -hmm. uh, Jake Ray and Carson Lee, you know, a year ago, uh, we couldn't talk enough about those two guys. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple besides that as well. I mean, Jake Wiley, Austin Johnson, Valentin Sen, like all guys that we've heard really good things about. I think the depth on our offensive line is probably as good as I can recall it ever being. 
What about Jay Lee Stacks? Maybe uh, he becomes more of a consistent participant in those short yard situations. Uh, I yeah, like. I mean, if if they can built, trust him to like get one tank. yard, yeah, if they can trust him to get one yard, you're going to see him out there for sure. I think if memory serves, he even had a couple nice blocks there. Mm-hmm. But they didn't really get noticed too much. But yeah, bring the fullback back. Let's go. CE Delta 27 asked, there has been much discussion about how little information Carl Durrell allows to get outside of the building. Do you have any long-term concerns about fan engagement while Carl Durrell is in charge? Uh, yeah, I th- we've talked about it on this podcast and I think I've talked about it on Freebong and on Twitter pretty often as well. It's one of my main concerns with Durrell moving forward. Uh, if you don't have a connection to your fan base, it's going to be hard to develop any long-term success in terms of people showing up to the games and cheering on the team and all that kind of stuff. Like you, you have to find a way to connect to the fans because while a lot of things are important to a program, your fan engagement is way, way, way up on the list. Yeah. And it's a little bit of a different situation that he's been in the last year. Right. I mean, even us media members, what does he know us from uh, a Zoom screen that uh, I don't even know how big our faces are on there. So we haven't really had a chance to develop a relationship with him. And, you know, we're kind of that, yeah. that bridge between the fan base and the coaching staff. Yeah. And, you know, also, you know, he was in the NFL for 12 of the last 13 years. And you think back 13 years ago, how much recruiting's changed. It's been a, it's been a steep learning curve for him in that sense. And, you know, just how much things have changed. Uh, do I have concerns about it long-term? Absolutely. Uh, but I do think it's been an unusual set of circumstances. Right. So, so we'll see how it is yeah. going forward. Yeah. I think your last point is huge in that, you know, even if we wanted to have fan engagement in Carl Durrell's first year, it would not have been allowed. So, <laughs> I mean, there's only so much you can do in that regard to this point. This is a boring on novel status here, this question, but well, We'll get into it here. BR Buff asked, where do Carl Durrell and staff want to be in the team recruiting rankings each year? Top 25, top 35, top 50. If I were asking Carl Durrell, I would not let him off the hook without a real sincere and thoughtful answer slash goal slash ranking. For too long, our recruiting has been less than stellar and sometimes just bad. With coaching changes, COVID, et cetera, There always seems to be a continual banner of excuses for poor or mediocre recruiting at CU. Team recruiting rankings in the 50s and 60s will generally not make CU a very competitive team. Yes, there are other variables we know. Coaching, strength and conditioning, eligibility, injuries, etc. But to get better, we need to be better recruiting. What does Carl Durrell want in terms of ranking? We realize that they may not look at the numbers but rather skills, needs, speed, athleticism, et cetera. But in the end, classes are ranked. What is the staff's goals with respect to ranking? Yeah. All right. Well, I can tell you right now that they don't sit around their recruiting war room with a goal in terms of a ranking. That's not how it works. That's the difference between how fans perceive recruiting and success and how a coaching staff does Uh, that's why every coach on signing day is going to talk up their guys because they wouldn't take them if they didn't love them. Right. So I know that this, uh, BR buff, he said that he would not let Carl Durrell off the hook without, (laughs) but Carl Durrell is not going to say, I have a goal of having a top 35 class. That's not how he's wired or any. And 
And he also doesn't have to show up to the media sessions tomorrow if he asks that question. So a little bit easier to say that from where he's sitting. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess, Tyler, what would your goals be? Because I don't really know how to yeah. answer that. The, the staff, you know, that's not how obvious, they operate. Right. It's not. But obviously his goal is to finish in the top 25. Like that's the obvious answer is that what's realistic is probably for me in the 40s. You, you want to find yourself in the mid thirties to mid forties on a consistent basis at Colorado, at least for the next five years. Right. I mean, if you're able to do that for five years in a row, or at least for a majority of those five years, you're going to find yourself going to more bowl games and having more success. And then maybe you can reassess for the next five years where you want to get into the top, tw- you know, you want to be 25 to 35 and slowly move your way. It doesn't just change overnight. That's not how it works. Unless you're a program that, you know, like Texas or whatever, where, you, where you're historically great and you've had a rough stretch, like you can bounce back quicker. When you're Colorado, like there's just, it's stacked against you. It's always going to be stacked against you. And you have to be realistic about how quickly you can rise up. You know, everyone can have a year or two where they have success, but to consistently have success in college football, it has to be a slow process. Yeah. A lot of people say it's a chicken and egg argument in terms of recruiting rankings and success. But unless you have a really dynamic head coach, you're going to have to out-evaluate some other people until you string yeah. those winning seasons together. There's no way. Yeah. I mean, I think the only other way you could do it, you know, where success is ahead of recruiting is if you get an elite quarterback out of nowhere that just kind of flew under the radar and you yeah. have a guy starting for three years where your team is really good because of a guy no one else liked. Yeah. So we'll see. It, it's tough when you haven't uh, been winning consistently in that regard. Uh, mm. But in, Tyler, also the transfer portal changes things a little bit too, right? If you can get it, some really yeah. quality guys to fill in those gaps, your, your recruiting class might not be as high, but you can, you can kind of bridge that gap a little bit towards success that way as well. For sure. And program culture, obviously, you know, if you, if you continue to keep your best players and, you know, add a guy or two from another program every year to build on top of that, like if people like being at Colorado and enjoy their experience and they start winning games, it can build on itself a little bit in that way as well. Mile High Crew asked, now that more sporting events are allowing fans in the stands and things are slowly opening up, specifically in more restricted parts of the country, do you guys think recruiting visits will start happening soon? I mean, if they're allowing fans to sit courtside for that Hawks slash Lakers game, it feels like (laughs) recruiting visits can be done safely as well. Right now, the recruiting dead period goes through April 15th. I've been talking to these 2022s and they all seem optimistic that they're going to be allowed after that. But I don't know that it's tough to predict what the NCAA is going to do here, because in most cases, Tyler, they're going to err on the side of caution because uh, there can be a lot of blowback if they start letting these kids out there. And there's a, a big story of, you know, a parent dying of COVID or something like that. For sure. Um, I, I think what's concerning as well as the PAC 12 is probably going to be the last one to adjust. You know, like the SEC is going to come back as quick as possible. The big well, that's 12, going to be an NCAA thing, though. You know, yeah. What I mean? Oh, I know, I know. But the NCAA is going to allow it, and then the Pac-12 could still say no, right? Theoretically, you know, just based on the states. Um, I know where I've sat on this argument for a long time, but I actually am pretty optimistic here. Um, things are moving quickly in terms of, you know, we're getting the elderly population vaccinated on a you know, on a pretty high level scale at this point. And then once that happens, the concern for all the other age groups behind that is pretty limited, 
once you get like everyone above 60 vaccinated. So I actually think the country is in a really good spot right now. Numbers are looking a lot better. The weather is going to start warming up here pretty quickly. Um, I, I'm, I am cautiously optimistic that by like May or June, things will be fairly back to normal. And you've got some kids that are going on unofficial visits by themselves, but they can't meet with the coaches. So uh, that that's already starting to kind of happen despite the fact that they can't actually have a true you know, experience in terms of getting up in the head coach's office and touring the facilities and all that. So we'll see. I like your optimism there. It's been, it's crazy that it's been more than a year since uh, we've talked about a recruit actually taking a visit to see you. Yeah. Monstrous Joe asked any update on how the strength and conditioning sessions are going. Always interested in your take on how recruiting is going. It's, it's, it's early here, Tyler. I mean, they're just getting acclimated with Shannon yeah. Turley. They're, they're, Initially, we're doing a lot of core stuff, and Carl Durrell says he views it as Shannon Turley is starting from scratch, which, uh, I mean, I don't think that's – do you think that's a jab at Drew Wilson, or, or how do you take no, that? No, no, no. I don't think it's a jab. I just think they have different mindsets. You know what I mean? Like, if you're going to do – you know, think about think about your job, right? If you focus primarily on one thing, and then all of a sudden you focus primarily on another thing, you're going to have to start over and reevaluate, right? It's – not necessarily that what you were doing before was worthless. The emphasis is just on something else now. And we'll have to see how it adjusts for sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, could it ultimately be a jab? Yeah, I suppose. But I I really don't think it was intended to be one. They're just, they're focusing on different things now and you're building the body, different muscle groups that weren't focused on before. So you're going to be weaker in those areas. You know, it's always, we'll see how it translates. It's always tough with a strength and conditioning update in mid-February. Well, yeah. Because you're always going to hear it's going great. I mean, your sources well, are going to be and, you know, around the program. And anybody who's been in a program, a workout you know, regimen for sports, it doesn't happen overnight. You know, it, it takes three, six months to a year to see, like, obvious progress based on what you've been doing with your body. Like, you know, no, no one's ever worked out for two weeks and completely transformed their life. <laughs> I will say based on everything that I heard out of Stanford, this might be one of the bigger coups that CU's had in a really long time. For sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously there was some concerns around it, but it seems like largely they were not overly <laughs> concerning. Um, yeah. And in terms of his, prowess and his how much respect he had at Stanford and other places too I mean even my brother was like yeah he had he had Stanford humming you know so if that if he's able to do the same thing at Colorado you're going to be in damn good shape in five years Davis Buff had two questions first for next season which of our position units do you think rank in the top four of the Pac-12 probably going to start running back right yep yeah I had four that I, that I listed running back was one of them offensive line. I feel pretty good about too. I know we're losing Will Sherman, but again, I think we have a couple tackles in the wings that top four though. That's I think so. Top, top third of the pack 12. Okay. Yeah. I, I think, I think there's definitely an argument to be made there. Um, I would say cornerbacks and also I think D line has a chance as well. I know we're losing Mustafa Johnson, but again, Jalen Sammy and Terrence Lane coming back. You have, you have some success there too. I mean, if you just go off Carson Wells, outside linebacker, with, with just him, yeah, might be right, a right. If you're not if you're not making it a linebacker grouping, and you're going to split it out between inside and outside, yeah, of course that would be possible as well. 
I'm taking more of a wait and see approach with the D line. We'll, we'll see there, but corner was, was on my list as well. And then, yeah, we'll see. I, I don't think at this point you would name any other positions. No. Maybe, maybe again, just with one player, Brady Russell could potentially be a top four tight end. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I guess I would say like the highest upside. Like, would it shock me if wide receiver ended up that way? Not really. I love, I love our two young guys. I think they have a chance to be really special. Davis Buff's other question was: Mark Smith's hire should really improve recruiting in Texas. What do you think CU needs to do to improve recruiting in California? I mean, I, mean you, I, I think it's going to help getting those California kids on campus for visits because right. I think that Boulder's vibe seems to mesh with those kids pretty well. Yeah, I actually think you could see California not recruited very heavily this year because just the lack, the lack of people playing. It's I mean, you can't take a majority of your class from a state that didn't play. You know, it's tough. Like it's, I feel bad for the kids because they're in a situation that a lot of other people around the country aren't. I understand why it happened, but at the same time, like it's a disadvantage for them for sure. I mean, you know, you, you've, you haven't played in a year or sometimes even two years, a coach is going to be wary of taking a kid like that. And, you know, and someone will do it. Someone will take the risk and it'll work out for them. Because obviously if you put 20 kids from California in your class that in a normal year would have had 20 offers and they had five, you're going to get some guys that should have had more coverage. You know, like there, there'll be a team that benefits from it, but it's, it's risky. There's no doubt. Coach Meat and, and Chev, you know, they have ties to California. They've recruited well out there in the past. And so uh, Brian Michalowski has been out there too. So you, I think we'll be pulling in guys from California every year, but I don't think it's ever going to be a case, at least from what we've seen from this staff so far, that they're going to have 10 guys from California. I think they're just taking more of a national recruiting approach. Yeah, I mean, I think what I would say is that as our reputation in the Pac-12 becomes stronger, California will become more and more of an option. You know, these kids are seeing Colorado finish 11th or 12th in the standings their entire life. They're going to consider other things because there are other Pac-12 options for those kids. Um, Until we start, you know, you see them beat UCLA or you see them beat Stanford – you see them beat Arizona, Arizona State on a more consistent level. All of a sudden, Colorado becomes cool again. That's kind of the, the, the trends with California are kind of in that regard. They're always going to the next hot thing. Buck and Buffalo asked, maybe I missed it. I was pretty stoked to hear Joe Biden might join the staff. Do you know why that didn't <laughs> Bowden. happen? Bowden. What did I say? <laughs> Biden. Joe Biden. Yeah. <laughs> That would have been a coup of all coups. Well, I don't know how much it would help them. Yeah, the yeah, yeah, I was going to say, I don't think that helps them much on the football field. <laughs> uh, do you know why that didn't happen? Any backstory there? It was a strange deal because Adam Rittenberg just doesn't throw stuff out there. He's a reputable guy out there. Um, and Brian Howell even talked to the head coach there where Bowden was coaching, and he made it seem like he was out the door. Uh, but I was told that day that they hadn't finished interviewing at that point. So I don't know what happened there, if that was Bowden or his agent leaked that somehow. Uh, and I don't know if it potentially was, you know, something that turned CU off because we, again, we don't, <laughs> we know Carl Drill well enough to know that he doesn't want, you know, guys breaking stuff like that before they yeah, actually I'll, get the job. I'll be the one to say this for you, Adam. And I would say putting the tea leaves together here, it is very likely that Carl Durrell did not like that getting out and therefore they went somewhere else. But again, they had not finished interviewing. Mark Smith had actually interviewed with Carl Durrell the previous year, Brian Howell reported, and 
it just, there wasn't the perfect fit at that time. So there was a relationship yeah. there. Um, yeah. Hopefully we'll get the full story there. Yeah. yeah I'm not it, saying, I'm not saying he would have necessarily gotten the job, but I think it probably hurt his chances. Shall we say that that came out early? I can definitely see that. Our Jack three asked if you were on the PAC 12 hiring committee for a new commissioner, what would be your priorities when evaluating a candidate? Uh, maybe embrace football. <laughs> I mean, that shouldn't be something that I would need to say on this podcast, but after the Larry Scott era, I think you got to start there. You got to uh-huh. hire a football guy. I'm going to actually spread it out a little bit even wider scale and just say competence, <laughs> um, which I know seems like an obvious thing, but clearly it's not. Uh, the, the, the leadership has been a joke for the past decade. Um, and while football obviously is huge, I, I would say basketball has been equally as egregious at times. Um, I would say put a lot of more emphasis on the officiating um, mm-hmm. and also using your budget wisely, uh, moving the conference office from San Francisco to Vegas or somewhere else that makes more sense financially is a huge thing as well. And then just repairing the reputation of the league. Um, TV contracts, obviously getting on national TV more, however you need to get that done, is all very important. I mean, I can't tell you how little. You look at the the talk around the country this year, well, and every year, really, is that the Pac-12 is garbage in basketball. And it's, you know, not the greatest year I've ever seen, but there's plenty of other leagues that are mediocre that get way better results and discussion from the national media simply because they're on TV. Just to close out my point before we move on, uh, at the next football Pac-12 media day that we're allowed to attend, if, if the new commissioner gets up there and starts talking about Olympic sports for 15 minutes, yeah, I'm just going to get up, good. leave, get back on a plane and go to Colorado. Yeah, what do you mean? People don't watch bowling? You got you got to know where your bread is buttered. And Larry Scott, yeah. uh, that never sunk in for him for some reason. Even that comment he made about how the Pac-12 network, he want, it was for – exposing the Olympic sports was kind of mm-hmm. his comment. And it's like, he, even Great. how did that work out for you? Yeah. Even now, even now after all this time, it still has not sunk in, which is just mind blowing. Optimus prime buff asked Justin Adams, the weekend TV news guy on channel four. Did he play football at CU? And if so, when did he play in what position looks like a lineman? Justin's an, a, a great guy. And yeah, he played, Late Gary Barnett tenure, early Dan Hawkins was a walk-on tight end. He'll share some great stories with you if you ever run into him. He he loves he bleeds black and gold. Uh, great guy there. Uh, I you, gotta you, tell you, that's that? one of the more random questions we've ever gotten in the in this segment here. I laughed when I saw it. I was like, all right, where did that come from? Have you ever met Justin? Uh, I briefly once. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nice guy. Movie Buff asked, "What's the best streaming service?" What are you rolling with these days, Tyler? Disney Plus, does that count? It counts, yeah. Yeah, that's the one. I've always been a huge cartoon guy. Uh, Mandalorian changed my life here. That's what I'm on these days. Um, yeah, so access to all... we So me and my wife watched all the Marvel movies in chronological order during quarantine because that is also on there. So that was awesome. And now WandaVision is, is the new hot topic. So that's... That's where my head's at these days. Netflix, just from a consistency standpoint, I would go yeah. with. But right now, uh, we've we've got a treadmill, and I'm training for some races. And uh, I restarted The Wire on HBO Max, so that's that's my best streaming service right now. But generally, I would say Netflix. 
I have Hulu, I have Hulu, Netflix, and HBO as well. So we got we got it all lined up. And Mile ESPN High, Plus, I guess, if you want to count yeah. that. Mile High Crew asked, what is one thing you realized you took for granted that you wouldn't have thought about before the pandemic? That's a good question. I mean, so many things. Yeah, it's tough to just pick one. I mean, I would probably just go traveling. I haven't had you know, an extended vacation in this gig in like 18 years, but I still like to like find those cheap flights for like a three day weekend, leave with the wife, go find some good food. You can bring the laptop, do a little work. Uh, and just having that taken away for as long as it's been, it's, uh, I I don't stir crazy might've happened back in June. I don't even know where we're at right now. Yeah. Um, travel is a great answer for sure. I would just say like the, the ability to do kind of whatever was on your mind. You know what I mean? Like every single decision you make now has to come with all these decisions. Like, is this smart? Is it safe? Is it allowed? You know, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, obviously you're looking out for other people and I'm all about that, mm-hmm. but um, it, it, it really is nice to just be able to go out there and not really worry about what a simple, like a simple decision or idea will bring for the rest of the world. And uh, just being able to have a conversation with somebody face to face that it, without a mask mm-hmm. on. And- yeah. I miss <laughs> the friendships. That's, that's the biggest thing for me. Like it's, you know, you can obviously talk to people um, on the phone or through zoom or whatever, but I'm definitely a social person by nature. So just like getting out there and being able to do the tailgating and going to the games and just seeing my friends going and having a beer with somebody like that type of stuff is wearing on me for sure. Yeah. Cheyenne DeBuff asked, what are the biggest misconceptions that fans have about Carl Durrell and Tad Boyle? You want to start with Carl Durrell here? What is the perception of CU fans of Carl? I think maybe they think he's more laid back and cerebral than, than he is. You know, he's deliberate, but there's a fire that burns inside him. He just doesn't put it on display all the time. I mean, I would just say we don't really know, <laughs> you know, like the, especially me, you obviously more know more than I do, but we, we haven't gotten to know Carl Durrell yet. Well, you I mean, remember uh, the exchange that he had set with Sam Neuer? That surprised some people. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Yeah. But I'm, I guess I'm just saying, like, if all things were normal, maybe it wouldn't be so surprising. That's true. What about Tad? What what is the perception? I think it d- depends on the person, right? I don't think there's a common yeah. thing with that. There's things that... He's like, it's so weird. Like there it's, he's hard to put in a box. Is that a fair thing to say? Like every time you try to put Tad in a box, there's like something that stands out that makes it clearly not. So, you know, like I wouldn't necessarily describe him as like the most socially outgoing, especially from like a recruiting standpoint, you know, but every like personal interaction you have with him is a lot of fun. Like he's very funny and doesn't take himself very seriously. And like, he's really, I think good with the media. Like he's honest upfront and honest, you know, he could probably Tyler, he could teach a class on how to deal with the media. Yeah. That's how, that's how good he is. But uh, but I think, I think what I'm trying to get at is if you met him for five minutes, you would not think that he was good with the media, right? Like if it wasn't a media situation, um, he seems like kind of more reserved in social settings than he is like with the media. And like, you love how blunt and honest he is. And at the same time, like you can go to practice. Anybody could go see a practice as long as you get it approved. Um, I think mo- like a casual fan would think you can't go to practice. 
with Tad Boyle. And it's, so it's interesting that you could go anytime and people don't. He's, he's an enigma, kind of. The Tad haters out there probably think that he's, he's content in his job, which is definitely a misconception. You know, right. he doesn't shy yeah. away from the expectations. And he's the first one. To, yeah, yeah. At some point, if they don't get past the first week in the tournament, that, you know, his tenure will, will be incomplete and that, that will be unacceptable. I think right. there's fans that think that he's okay and he doesn't hold the program to high standards. And, and that's simply not the case. You can get frustrated with him and debate certain things, but that part yeah. of it has always frustrated me when people – criticize him for the, the fact that maybe he's complacent yeah no i yeah if you think he's complacent i disagree with that 100 percent. I, I mean i think obviously i don't want this ever to happen but someday it will come where he moves on whether by his choice or not and i think the way that he handles it is going to surprise a lot of people um like i think he's tougher on himself than i think anyone he's not all about the excuses and all that kind of stuff like if if we got to a point where we needed to replace him for lack of success on the court he would be the first one to say that he that he deserved it i think is how it would go unblockable had a basketball question a quick psa here we're recording this on thursday afternoon in just a couple hours he was going to play at stanford so the reason we're not going to do a ton of basketball discussion here is just because there's going to be a game happening before this podcast gets out there so some of this stuff might be out of date by then so i don't want to spend a whole ton of time on there maybe this actually is a good time for you, Tyler, to tell everybody how to consume all the uh, free ball and pods that you guys have been putting out there. Yeah. So, I mean, we do um, the setup right now, at least this time of the year, is we try to do weekly preview pods um, going over all the games in advance. So, usually it comes out Monday or Tuesday. So, this week's came out, came out Tuesday, I think. Um, you can find them on Twitter at freeballin underscore pod, no G at the end, if that makes sense. Freeballin underscore pod. Um, or just on any, however you listen to your podcast, you can find it in under in that same way, freeballin pod. And uh, yeah, we, you know, we do recap pods for subscribers after every game, but the, the preview stuff, anybody can listen to. We do bi-weekly podcasts this time of year where we talk about whatever we want, <laughs> which yeah. is always fun. Well, you're getting back into the working game here. Uh, is yeah. that going to cut into your, your podcast life? I hope not. We'll have to see. I haven't started yet, so I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, I did four podcasts on Monday. <laughs> so <laughs> sometimes it does get a little bit crazy. Uh, we have three tonight. I have this or sorry, three today, this one, and then we have to do a recap pod and our biweekly pod tonight after the Stanford game. So, yeah, nice. it's a lot of work. But, I mean, it's not really work. It's fun. I mean, we yeah. all know we all know I'd be talking about CU both positive and negative, whether or not I was doing these podcasts or not. So might as well have those conversations with as many people as I can. Yeah, there's no question if you're a diehard CU fan, you've got to subscribe to your podcast because it's great stuff. We'll get into Unblockable's question here. He asked, next squad will arguably be Tad Boyle's most talented yet. Without Ken, the big question mark is going to be at the point guard position. Do you feel good about anybody on the current roster slash incoming players being able to at least provide competent play, or is it time to start praying the transfer portal gods? Yeah, uh, if you want someone to replace Ken, no, that doesn't exist. Um, I would say Keyshawn Bartholomew is a guy that I was very high on going up into the year, but he has not met expectations for me so far this year. I, I, I'm not going to sit here and say his career won't be what it what it can. I mean, I think he still has a chance to be pretty good, but he's not McKinley Wright. 
I think that much is certainly clear. Um, you know, he can come back as a freshman next year too. So he, he could be in the program for six years. Um, if, if that's how Tad decides to play it, we'll see of the incoming guys. It's going to be hard to replace Ken next year. So yes, I guess the simple question is, do, are we better off finding a transfer point guard? And I think, I think we should. Yeah. If you want to be a good team right away, which maybe Tad doesn't, I mean, it's, you know, you, you want to develop different ways. This could be a transition year. And I think that that would be understandable as well. But in terms of most talent, I just want to clarify that like long-term, I agree. There's a lot of guys on this team next year that will be very special, but I do think if they don't make any other changes and McKinley Wright is gone next year, this team will not be as good as it's been in the past two years. They have been banking a scholarship for a transfer all along. So there is that possibility out there. Anon one five eight seven six six eight also had a basketball question. He asked, "There has been noticeably more movement on the offensive end, cutters and screeners away from the ball. What or who was the catalyst for this? I believe this change in offensive philosophy is the reason the Buffs have become a lot more efficient, and it creates shots for guys that may not be able to create on their own." Yeah, I, I mean, I don't talk to Tad directly, so I can't say for sure whether or not this is a this is a philosophy. But in my eyes, this is a lot more about personnel than anything else. Um, this team is much more put together offensively than they have been in the past. Um, not as much so defensively. So, you know, we criticize Tad at times for being stubborn and sticking to his same schemes. I, I think this year has proven that he's capable of not doing that. This is a much different team than we've seen in years past. Uh, on Ken Palm, they're, they're now ninth in the country in offensive efficiency, which, I mean, what are you, uh, you probably would have got sm- slapped in the face if you said that would ever happen if you asked Tad Boyle. Um, Do you have any idea what's the highest they've ever finished in that category under Tad, like in, in terms of no. range? But I could I could look at the end of the year. I could find it pretty easy. I can okay. put it on Twitter later if you want. Um, not, not, not in season, but I can tell you end of season rankings where they finished under Tad. I'll look into that. But this would be ha- this would definitely be one of the higher ones. <laughs> I, would, I would have to think for sure. Um, yeah, but he's totally right. I mean, there is a lot more movement space on offense. There's much more shooting. This is by easily our best three point shooting team that we've had under Tad, and that's by design. You know, they, they've went after guys like that. Like a guy, well, we talked about this on Freeballing recently. Maddox Daniels would not have been signed by Tad Boyle three years ago because he does nothing that Tad views as great for basketball more times than not. But the desperation became clear that we needed shooting and Maddox can do that for you. So that's why he's on the team. And he's, you know, he's slowly developed some other things to help the team along the way. But yeah, I mean, I think 2015 Tad would not have recruited Maddox. Hey, Mead 6236. Can't mess that one up. That's uh, an important part of the username there. He had a question about CBS All Access and Paramount. I'll have to look into that. I don't know. Th- those two are apparently merging into one. Yeah, it's going to, you know, more just like the way the world is going now, Paramount Plus, it's going to be streaming service. And I'm sure they'll use it for March Madness and all of their TV shows. And I would assume for football moving forward as well. There was a lot of talk about that during the Super Bowl commercials and stuff. That's kind of what it seems like moving forward. It'll be a part of coverage for regular season basketball games and things like that, it seems like. And the reason he's asking is because if you're a, a buffstampede.com subscriber, you can get CBS All Access part of it. Uh, so, yeah, my apologies there. I was 
I put this on the production plan and then forgot about it. I didn't get a chance to shoot off an email. If I forget, put a, put a post to me on the message board, I'll get somebody that can actually answer that question. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, that seems, does seem like it would be, you know, and it's obviously a cool thing that you can get for free as part of your subscription now, but it does feel like moving forward, it's going to be a lot better of a perk than it has been. Well, Tyler, that's the the end of this show. I uh, appreciate you for taking the time out. Uh, again, we, We'll see what your schedule is looking like for going forward, but uh, hopefully yeah. we can get continue to have you on here and, and get your thoughts. Yeah, I'm sure we can find a way to make it happen. I won't be working every day, so hopefully we can find a way to sneak on there like usual. We'll see how it goes. Obviously, we're we're coming into a part of the season where there's less and less things to talk about, so it should be easier for me to get on. Football season could be interesting. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how we squeeze it all in then. And you'll be up in Boulder more often. Yep. Uh, we'll have to find a spot up there. Maybe we can do, actually do some podcasts in person one of these days. That would, that would be, be nice. great. I'd love to see you. <laughs> yeah. Zoom has been uh, a convenient, but uh, someday it'd be nice to, to blow the dust off my actual recording yeah, equipment man. for these podcasts. So I'm sure you guys, pre-balling guys, are feeling the same way. Although Tyler Murray's out of state. Will, Will's yeah. out of state. So you might have yeah. to. Yeah. Now yeah. Will's out of He's in a different state now. The whole squad's moving around. He's back in New Wait, York. where's so William? He's moving to New York again. Well, good for him, but I don't he know just, if I've known anybody that's moved more times oh, than him. I know, man. He's crazy. Yeah, they, he actually just got into the house. Well, not into his house. He's staying with his parents right now for a couple of weeks while they get the house ready. But, yeah, he's going back to New York. All right. Well, very cool. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Go Buffs. Go Buffs.